Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi Mila. Hello. It's episode 64, The Diamond of the Day Part 1, Unfunny Feelings. The synopsis for this episode is, Merlin finds himself facing the future he's fought so long to avoid. Yep. Here we are, part one of the series finale of Merlin. (laughs) It's hard to say it with a straight face. I don't even know what to do with it. It's weird. It's weird. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it to the listeners. It's such a, it's such a big part of our week and life that for us, it's just like, whatever you listen to an hour of our podcast, it's many hours of my life. On our end, yes. Mostly also also Sonia's end because she does a lot of other works on editing. So I'm also the producer and creator, so I do all the back end stuff. It's just such a big part of our lives that just it's kind of one of those tales you tell in a show like this where you go out for revenge and then you get your revenge and then what do you do with your life? Kind of that feeling of what do I do? What do I do now? What do I do now? But before then, we got to finish. What did I do with all these hours before I had this podcast? Like, freely. That's kind of it. What What did I used to do with all this time? I used to just binge watch other, just continue on the binge watching of other things without talking about it on a podcast. I would binge watch a new show. Basically, I think what's happened is instead of us binge watching like six shows in this duration of time and talking about them on the phone, we've accomplished doing a podcast about one. It's an accomplishment. I consider it an accomplishment. I do too. Before we get into the wider conversation of the episode, actually, I want to start with something specific. There's the title of this episode, The Diamond of the Day. And the reason I want to get into it more than we usually do, because a lot of their titles are referential. Sometimes I'll just mention it to you or on the podcast offhand, like it's a book title, whatever. But This one was pretty obscure and meant nothing to me. And it's a big deal that it's the name of your last episode ever of the show. Yes. Well, I didn't know the name of the episode because I usually don't look at it because they're so spoilery. But this one I could because it's not. It's not spoilery, but it is also just totally confusing in the sense of what is this? Right. We never heard of this. Like why? Why this name for the series finale? Yeah. So, The Diamond of the Day is actually a line from a poem written by Edwin Muir, which is funny because you probably don't remember this as a one-time viewer, but Edwin Muirden was the name of our bad guy in Remedy to Cure All Ills. So they already had a shout out to this once. Clearly, the creators love this poem. Oh my God, it was so obscure. I would never remember that. By watching the show once, you you would never remember. It's... I mean, I would say never, but it would be pretty difficult to remember that. Also, I don't think anyone knows about this. Anyway, I'm going to read you this poem. I'm going to talk about it for a second. And then we're going to take that on the journey of this two-parter with us and see how it factors in. The poem is called Merlin. There you go. (laughs) There you go. So we start off well. And I am not great at this, so bear with me. Oh, Merlin, in your crystal cave, deep in the diamond of the day, will there ever be a singer whose music will smooth away the furrow drawn by Adam's finger across the memory of the wave, or a runner who will outrun man's long shadow driving on, break through the gate of memory and hang the apple on the tree, 
Will your magic ever show the sleeping bride shut in her bower, the day wreathed in its mound of snow and time locked in its tower? So you can all look it up online if you really want to get into that. I know it's hard to hear a poem once, but I'm just going to break down the diamond of the day part. What the poem is really talking about to me, again, not a professional, not actually good at this. I had to do a bunch of research and here's what I think. This poem's about seeking out a paradise that's been lost, whether that's your childhood innocence or Eden or the kingdom of Camelot. That is to say Camelot, not the version of Camelot in this show. Remembering that this poem written in 1937, Camelot, if you look up Camelot in a dictionary, it literally has a meaning outside of the place. It is an idyllic place. In the dictionary, it will say a time, a place, or atmosphere of idyllic happiness. Camelot is the ideal, even though in this show, it's always a shit show, which is why it's funny. That is so strange because I never, I never, I didn't know that. I never heard, I never heard that. That might be slightly because you learned English as your second language. It's also a cultural thing because even the Kennedy era was the Camelot era. It's meant to be this idyllic, this ideal that you reach for, Camelot. That is so interesting. Clearly not this Camelot, but you know. Well, because we're always watching the show from the perspective of, oh my God, things are happening. But really, it does have to do with this episode because it's the speech Arthur gives. Camelot is built on ideals. It's supposed to be a beacon of hope. That's how it's always talked about. So outside of the show, that's what it is. It represents some sort of ideal. In the opening of the poem, Merlin is either ensconced or trapped in the cave. Now, being trapped in the crystal cave, this is something that goes back to Mallory, where Nimue traps Merlin in a cave. That is the, the first telling of that. And it progressed. And Mary Stewart, way later, wrote The Crystal Cave about Merlin getting trapped in the cave. So this is a standard. And the speaker of the poem is asking Merlin in all his powerful magic to answer these questions that he's putting forth, to return to this ideal. And it has to be through magic because at this point, what's, what the speaker is saying is it would take going back to a time before sin. Sin being representative of the Christian ideas and Merlin being representative of a magic and a more Celtic idea of the world. And the diamond of the day line what really the diamond of the day represents is a moment in time that is perfect. You know, in different analyses that I've read, it's either the best part of an era or the remembered world. But in the poem, Merlin is eternal. He is the tie to this perfect time and ideal, either through magic or memory, which really ties into even Balinor saying, you will always be, as if he's the part of Camelot that will always live on. Balinor will always live on, he will always live on, the Crystal Cave will always live on. So just take that as you will for the rest of this episode and the next. Because I always wondered about it, and now that I've looked into it, it's really super deep. <laughs> Clearly. So let me just say this right here. I did not look at any scenes for the previews for the next episode. As soon as this episode ended, I stopped and that was it. I didn't look at anything. I don't know what happened. I didn't see any flashes, like nothing, nothing, nothing. I don't know what happens. We will discuss that because I might make a case for you watching the preview. Okay. <laughs> we might do that. Anyways, just wanted people to know. But I had 
I posed some questions that I can pose at the at the very end of the episode because I have them written down. So, you know, we'll get there when we get there. I had a really hard time last night not going to the next episode. I had a really hard time not completing it because I was like, it's hard not to keep going. But it's also so hard for me to focus on what happened in this episode if I just watched another episode right after. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to the end when we get to the end. But I just wanted to dive into this poem because it's funny. I heard Bradley say in the commentary recently, he didn't love the title because he didn't get the reference. Because Alice asked him, what would you change about the show? Like, what do you wish you could change? And this was one thing he mentioned because he thought it was a, the last episode should be something more iconic because last season finale was the sword and the stone. So everyone gets that reference. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, it wasn't easy to really, I spent hours of research and might doing my own writing to figure out what this poem meant because it's not an easy, like, oh yeah, that's what that means. I mean, it's all symbolism. It's very subjective. Yes. Well, it's subjective and the entire poem is symbolism. You know, putting an apple back on the tree, I can get that. That's like going backwards in Eden and undoing the sin that kicked you out of paradise. Got it. Yes. But really, the looking at Camelot and the memory of it as, as an ideal to reach for and something that's in the past, this author is asking Merlin how to get back to it. And that's what they decided to call this. Diamond of the day. The ideal. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it's very good. That's the thing. You, I, I trust these writers enough to know that there must be a good reason to call it that. So it took me a long time, but I got there and I was like, oh, okay, I see. So I just wanted to share with the class. Yes. Yes. Thank you. It is worthy of a title, you know? Yes. Because, you know, we spent so many hours doing this podcast that I'm happy that now I know at least what the last two episodes <laughs> titles mean. It's important. Well, yeah, I also didn't want to leave this. I did a podcast about Merlin. And I don't even know what the title of the last episode of the whole show means. Like that would not sit well with me. Yeah. Anyway, this episode, you know, I told you I thought I knew where it ended and where the split was between the two episodes. I was 100% wrong. Sonia texted me. She's like, nope, I didn't <laughs> know where it ended. I was totally surprised. Because I've always watched them back to back. It doesn't really matter to me now, but see, but now that I know where the split is, it's really obvious to me. I'm like, oh, of course, that's where the split Obviously. is. I forgot where episode two starts, but of course, that's where it starts. I, whatever, it doesn't matter. Point is, it's a dark episode. It's a very serious episode. Also, again, thought I was going to have many complaints. Don't have many. Don't have it. Complaints. We always do complaints up front. Maybe we do. <laughs> We do complaints all the time, but we do praise all the time. Half the episodes are us being like, that's so good. That is true. We do, we do complain a lot. It's our job. We complain and we praise. That's the whole thing of the that's, show. That's I mean, literally what, the whole point of this podcast. I'm pretty sure that's everyone who talks about TV does that. You're either going to say it was good or it was bad and give a reason. There's nothing else to do. That's it. It's better than us turning up and being like, I have no opinions. <laughs> don't care. Bye. End of episode. Anyway, I don't know. I don't think there's much to talk about more up front outside of the title because we should just get into it because it opens up so fucking dark. Peter Guinness, who plays Ari, breaks my heart. That's about it. I'm sad. <laughs> it's really okay. It's not it. It's really brutal. It is a brutal, brutal opening. It is upsetting and vicious. 
it opens up with Morgana using this magical druid powerful guy, Ari, as a human guinea pig. I have to look at Mordred and think, how do you think you're on the right side? You're obviously in the Death Star. Like, I that's Darth Vader right next to you. Like, how do you think you're the good guy? Look, you're all wearing black. Right. First of all, second of all, it is so sad. It's so sad. It's yet another character that I like right away. And that is just not dead, but destroyed. It brings into question, why do people follow Morgana? Is this one of those people you follow because you're scared of them, so you just do it? Throughout this episode, there was a few times that I saw, I think that I saw, regret or shock in Mordred's face. But you still, you keep going. You keep going. And I'm like, I don't, then don't look shocked. Don't look shocked. That's actually surprising to me that you say that, because this is the only scene I saw that. And then when I watched the deleted scenes, I was in shock. They cut two scenes of Mordred out loud doubting Morgana, saying Arthur might still change. I believe that he he could still do the right thing. I'm sorry, if they had left those scenes in, this would be a completely different episode. It's so funny because I felt that quite a few times. I don't feel it at all. I saw in Alex's face, I was like, I think he's doubting it. As, towards the end of at the episode, he's more sure of it. He's excited about the sword. He attacks the garrison. He's not worried about attacking the garrison with a ball of fire later. He's, I mean, he just keeps going and going. Those scenes are really weird that they even wrote them. He's out loud saying, I think Arthur might still do the right thing. Yeah, that's, that's just another. It was a completely different episode. I was like, what? That's another ending for the show. It's an alternate ending that we didn't see where Mordred repents and just goes back to Camelot. Seriously, though, I was shocked. I was like, what? He's supposed to be the bringer of doom. And they're off recording scenes with him saying, I don't know. I think Arthur might still do the right thing. What? Just shocked at those scenes. I was shocked. Yeah. And basically, in this scene, he objects for all of 10 seconds. And he's kind of saying, hey, Morgana, I think you kind of suck right now. And Morgana's like, shut up. I'm crazy and obsessed. So let's move on. <laughs> I'm just like watching the same thing. Like, what's happening? Morgana's like, shut up. This started way before you. So you don't get to come in right now and give me your opinion. This is my plan. And I'm going to just do whatever I want. And either you can stay or you can die. Mordred is 100% right. He's like, hey, that guy was a really powerful ally and you just took his powers away. Just weird. With a slug that latches to your face magical powers away who where wow how what's going on you remember when last episode i said you had no way of guessing how she was going to go about yeah i remember (laughs) i was thinking about the slug it eats the magic out of your body how is that even possible we're gonna just move on i'm not sure where they came up with this one it's pretty impressive we're gonna move on (laughs) Back in Camelot, the uh, security continues to live down to our expectations. Sneaking in, picks up a rock. Not fair. Geist is asleep. Unnecessary brutality. Just, he's an old man. I mean, Merlin has fallen down on his face right next to him and not woken him up. Just chill out. I was just going to say that Merlin has escaped hundreds of times, making lots of noise, tripping over things, and Gaius was completely fine. Yeah, unnecessary roughness. Seriously. Camelot security sucks, so check box on that. Bingo board is still happening. What happens next is so epic. 
because we actually get to go to the tavern. We've been in the tavern before. And no, but not Merlin going to the tavern. Because Merlin going to a tavern is always a thing that gets talked about but never happens. That's why this is epic because it's like, oh my God, he got to go to the tavern with Arthur, no less. And people are just enjoying themselves, including Merlin. <sighs> They're just happy, enjoying the moment. They're laughing. Here's just some downtime in regular day in Camelot. They know how to lull us and make us happy right before they take it all away from us. I knew it was going to not last that long. I mean, it couldn't. I love that they made time to go to the tavern. They're technically already at war. Yeah. But yeah, they're at the tavern. You're right. Everyone's living their lives. Merlin and Arthur are playing dice against each other, a game in which you have to predict what you're going to roll. I love that Emerus here is so gutsy. He's just going to do magic right in front of Arthur's face, about six inches away from it. I mean, I feel like it's so fast that people, he knows that people just wouldn't notice. Because the effect of the show is for their eyes to light up and we want to see it. They would never go the route of him closing his eyes, which would be the simplest way to hide it. <laughs> Magic's being done. Obvious magic. Love it. The Merlin sass is all the way up to 11. Taking the piss out of the king here just in front of everybody. What's not to love? It's a fun scene. It is. I enjoyed it. Would not bet against Merlin. It's such a fun little scene. I do really appreciate it. I'll say thank you for cutting the Mordred doubt scenes and putting this in instead. Honestly, we needed we needed this scene in the beginning. Yeah. Much appreciated, everyone. 100%. Merlin arrives home. If I'm reading the situation correctly, he's drunk. That's what I thought, because he doesn't really notice Gaia's on the floor. No, and he's stumbling. I mean, he's always, he's always clumsy. But... This is different, and he just goes to his room and falls on the bed. Yeah. I wonder if they're trying to play it both ways so kids don't know. Right. That makes sense. Like, a grown-up would assume he's drunk, but kids wouldn't really... It's not super obvious. It's tired. Yeah. The slug is there, and Gaius saves the day even though he got the shit knocked out of him. Always happy to see that with a shovel. Yep. He wakes up from being... <laughs> hitting the head with a rock in his sleep. Poor thing. I was like, don't mess with Gaius. Don't do this. Not right now. Not ready. And saves Merlin. Well, you know. I mean, for a second, you think it's not too late. And he saves Merlin. And then when Merlin comes to, you get the reveal that he's lost his magic. And uh, yeah, they do research time. This thing devours magic. You get the whole download on the slug. Fantastic. It's still a giant slug, but cool. Merlin is like, I thought they were extinct. Guys is like, clearly there's a new one or there was because we just killed the last one. You know. Yeah, average kind of like expo setting up the problem of the episode. Merlin has no magic. And then Colin puts on quite the show from here on in. I don't know how many times I'm going to mention it in this episode, but he makes me sad multiple times in this episode. <laughs> Cut to Mordred and Morgana who are officially, when they are together in my notes, Mo plus Mo. So take that and do with it what you will. They're being terrible. I see, I don't see doubt in his face here. He's like, okay, let's do some magic. Fireballs. Yeah, this I don't see here. Fire. That's what I have. I have Just lots fire. of fire. Yeah, they attack our garrison with fire. Gwen saves a blondie. Blondie saves Gwen. And... Bad news, Leon delivers the bad news of, we can't hold them, 
found the retreat. <laughs> At this point, I am already suspicious because I'm like, my question was at this point in the episode, are they seriously going to introduce a love interest for Gwen at this point of the show? <laughs> Three hours of side story later. You're like, we just did a detour. No. I was gathering this stuff for this episode, all the names of the guest stars. And for a second before I watched them, I was like, oh, I bet there's not that many because who are you, you going to spend time on? during the finale so then i made up a story in my head i was like oh maybe it's nice that they're bringing a girl in just like the love interest so then we're gonna be extra sad when green dies because now he has a girl so she's also gonna be sad clearly that was all debunked you think Gwen's gonna die yes i do look i don't think necessarily that Gwen is going to die i don't think that all the knights are going to survive there's only three of them all the knights they're in a war there's like five thousand people are about to die Everyone knows that when we talk about the knights, we only mean the three knights that we know by name. Everybody else is just cannon fodder. Obviously. As far as I'm concerned, six people live in Camelot. Everybody else is just background noise. But anyways, at this point, I was very confused about this love interest introduction here. I was like, this kind of doesn't make any sense. They're not that nice, the writers. They're not like, oh, let's make him uh, have a good time. No. So yes, bad news. Leon delivers the bad news. They retreat. In Camelot, we learn that these are the troops from Stawell, and they're all coming in injured. And this begins the episode of Colin Morgan just making me gutted all the time. Just that face he's making in the hallway, the helpless look. And it's especially weird because in the scenes where he's doing that, he almost looks like the younger version of his character. I agree. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I was like, how did you change your face? It literally, you changed your being. How? How did you morph into your older self? And don't even get me started. So that makes me miserable seeing him just stand there helpless. You do really just get the helpless energy from him. And Gaius at least gives him a pep talk of, hey, you're still a physician. Like, snap out of it, buddy. I need your help. I have that line. For now, help me treat the wounded. Your skill as a physician is still valid. And it is. And I agree. Yeah. Guys, it's like, focus on the now. You can do things now with your hands. There are things I need your help with right now that are useful. More useful than magic because you can't treat them with magic and I need you to be a physician. And it's always nice to recognize, once again, the growth of Merlin as a character to a full-blown physician. So as luck would have it, Merlin is the one to treat Aira. I don't really get a good vibe from her. I want to like her. There's nothing wrong with her yet. I guess I don't get a good vibe from her because I know like in two scenes it's over. You do know I didn't notice anything. I really was trying to notice. I really thought that they were trying to do something bizarre with Gwen's story arc in this episode. I was just really confused. But no, I didn't notice anything in the way that would say, oh, she's evil or she is on Morgana's side. I, I really didn't see anything like that. I don't think it's there. I think I'm just projecting the fact that I know she's about to do something really terrible. It's just me being like, I don't like her because I know what's about to happen. No, it's it's literally you doing the Merlin Mordred thing. I've seen the future. You're bad. <laughs> I don't like you right now. This is the past. I understand. The future didn't come yet where I already don't like you. Yeah, just like it's too close. This one doesn't even give me the time to get there. With Mordred, I've been trying to like him for a few episodes. This is like in 10 minutes, she's going to betray us. So there's not even enough time to 
make her likable. I guess she kind of saved Gwen earlier, whatever. Yeah, there's the romantic vibes between Gwen and her, and Merlin's there watching. So over at the round table, Bad News Leon is there to, you know, make sure everyone knows the bad news. So his job. <laughs> Using his number one skill set. I think it's a good skill set for him because he's very likable. So, you know, you want to hear something bad from someone really likable because it kind of softens the blow there. Yes. It, it's very reassuring. Do you remember Robin Hood Men in Tights? There's that whole scene where he's like, well, maybe if you tell me the bad thing in a good way, I won't be so upset. <laughs> Look, it matters. The way you say things matter. <laughs> it does. It 100% does. But everyone's on the same page for a minute. Like, let's stay in Camelot, which we've been told over and over again, not just in this show, in every version of the Arthurian tale, Camelot can hold its walls against the biggest attack ever with just a few people. And I am in the club of, why are we leaving here? Impenetrable. And we are going to the middle of the mountains. They have magic, and this place is impenetrable. We need one advantage, right? We just need one thing to square up the fight. I mean, I get it. I'm not mad that they make this decision because Arthur gives his big look. We can't abandon our ideals. We already lose all the good stuff speech. So, yes, we're all there with him. But I'm still a little bit on the side of, I think Sir Leon's right. Yes, Sir Leon says the Citadel will not fall. So stay there. Arthur is like, oh. I mean, objection to that. It's already fallen twice in the past season True. and a half. True. So, and that's why Arthur is like, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Worried. Merlin looks super worried. Merlin just has one anxiety attack after the other in this episode. And that you can see it on his face. But is it just me projecting or do, do they look nuanced to you? Like they're different thoughts going on you know we always talk about colin morgan is so good at acting you can see the mental process him in the hallway panicking looks different than him panicking here yes i definitely agree it's not one note acting of like i'm just gonna do the same panic the whole episode yes yes that i can see yeah you know arthur is not that sure about camelot so he's like to save my people we just have to write out go meet them halfway they don't have to come all the way here. Well, I think he believes Camelot will hold. I just think his argument is, well, what happens to everyone between where she is and Camelot Castle? Because Camelot is the land and this is the citadel of Camelot. So I'm going to let everyone on the way here die. That's not cool. So it's a good argument. And he's the good guy because he's like, okay, well, I'm not sparing all those people. Because even Gwen's a little, well, people are going to die. <laughs> Gwen's like, look, you can't save everyone, even if you try. That's just unrealistic. He's going to try. Over in the forest, Morgana is using Ithusa to give Mordred a dragon sword. Uh, this annoys me in every kind of way possible. I'm mad about Ithusa. I'm mad about the sword. I'm mad at Mordred. I'm mad at Morgana. I'm just mad. My notes is Ithusa is forging a sword for Morgana. Nope, for Mordred. <laughs> I just, ugh. My notes are so many Uggs. Just ugh. Yeah. Oh, Ethuza looks so miserable. That character makes me sad. It's not even real. Looking at it makes me sad. Well, it doesn't, none of it's real. Like, the point is to make you sad. And it makes me sad, too. You look at this poor little creature and you think, this is what we went through that whole adventure. I mean, better to have left the dragon egg where it was like Gaius said, too. Gaius was definitely right. Ethuza is... Merlin's worst decision-making of the show. And yeah, I'm going to stick by that. 
there's a lot of bad ones. This one had no long-term planning at all. Gonna crack this egg open and just let whatever happens happen. Yeah, that was bad. That was a bad idea. Better to hide it under your floorboards for a while and wait for a time where you can, I don't know, take care of the thing. The writers are mean. They are. They really are. Also, I'm going to start now because it's going to go on for the next two and a half episodes now that we're halfway through this. I'm going to start calling out the writers for things they did change from the Arthurian tale and things they seem to think they can't. I don't think the, the dragons weren't even in it. So I'm just saying. Like, yeah, there's the dragon that Lancelot slays. I think that's the real dragon in the in the telling of the Arthurian tale. But we're just inserting all these characters because they feel like it. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, let's keep start keeping track of decisions they made for themselves. Just so we're clear at the end what the scoreboard is. Yeah. Of what they can change. Whatever. Mordred's all excited. And, oh, I'm going to fight so much with a sword. Yay. Good for you. Like, ugh. Pack and Camelot, the A-team, is having a meeting. And this entire sequence pains me because I know, I, I, I think it's obvious, you know where this is going and you're just watching the misery of Merlin having to listen to them plot their course for Camlan. And when he hears that word, he's just like, no, <laughs> like when he hears that word, it's just internal screaming. That's what I hear in my head. Just internal screaming. I'm also bothered by the scene because now I know that they changed the maps and I'm upset. I'm looking at the maps. I'm like, what well, version of the map is this? I'm sorry I told you that. But if I have to live with it, you have to live with it because it's not cool. That's true. I'm upset. Because, <laughs> you know, when you read The Lord of the Rings, there's one map and it applies to the whole story. I, you can, you, it comes with the book. You follow it through. You follow with it. Isn't it the first page? It's before the story, isn't it? So I have um, the one version that I have is all three books together. It's just like a big, big one. And it's actually at the end. It's either at the end or the beginning, but it's always there for reference material. And in big fantasies, you always have the map as reference material. But a map that makes sense and you can follow. This is not something I can knock Game of Thrones for. They have a map. It's set in stone because it is stone because it's supposed to be a real land. That's what a map is made me twitch when they're like, we have to move things around every season. No, no, no. Like, no. <laughs> Do you know when like those like cartoons just like blink one eye that like pops like this? That's my eye. Whatever. I just, the whole scene to me is just that scene leading up to the word Camlin and Merlin just having the internal mental breakdown. Again, more upset acting. My notes. <laughs> my notes is, there it is. Another anxiety attack. Yeah, and another different one. Again, I just think they all look a little, they're all nuanced. He's really going through the mental process. So there's something different happening every time, even though it's like really minute. It's because I think that everything that happens, it's one step closer to that happening. So he's like, maybe I can change it. And then he's like, nope, just one step a little closer. Maybe I can change it. Nope. And now you heard the name of the thing. The freak out about my powers are gone and I feel helpless is different from the, oh my God, Camlin freak out because yeah. they're just different topics different versions of stress i think here he's still doing that thing where he looks like baby merles for some reason i'm just like what's happening how'd you make your face young again then in the next scene i'm seeing the emerse a bit again because gaius gives him the you have to stop arthur from going i pitched in the last episode we should just lock him in a broom closet yeah gaius says he cannot go merlin you have to be persuade him i was like no it's, he tried so many million times. It's not working, Gaius. You try. Why don't you go try? He persuaded him to do something crazy last episode, but 
I love that Merlin says, I know him better than I know me. It's not happening. Yeah. He says that Arthur will lose his life, but he will go. He will go forward with this plan. So Merlin's thing becomes, well, Arthur won't not go. So I have to go get my powers back. Poor Gaius gives him the, uh, that's beyond me. That sad puppy look that Gaius. Yes, I have the lines because he says, I can't restore it. It's beyond my power. Sad Gaius. But there's a lot of that Emrys energy still coming through because, again, Emrys not about even magical power, just being in charge of yourself. Just, I'm going to go take care of this. I got it. And he even says, don't worry, I'm not not going alone. And of course, cut to Gwen, because who else was it going to be? Literally, I said, obviously, it's Gwen. (laughs) That's in my notes. Also, he does say, he does tell Gaius that he's like, look, I have to go to the Crystal Cave. This is where I'm going. At least Gaius knows where he is. There's, there needs to be one person, too, because Gwen also took him all the way there. But, you know. I also love that it's Gwen and it's so obvious that it's going to be Gwen because it kind of reminds me of the way in all these stories, Lancelot is Guinevere's champion. You're the queen's champion. I feel like Gwen is Merlin's champion. He's his knight. <laughs> He's, yeah. That's my knight. Well, also, I feel like Merlin, obviously, has a friendship with Gwen, but even if he had the same level of friendship with the other knights, I think that he knows that Gwen is the only one who won't ask questions and he will just trust him. Help without any strings attached. You need help. I'll help you. If you can tell me why, that's okay. I've said this before. There is absolute trust between them. Yes. Explanations are not needed I mean, they really do have the truest friendship because it's just something based in absolute belief in the other person. This scene is hard. We get to Arthur's room and Merlin has prepped his whole trip and Arthur starts to be funny and say, oh, what is it? Do you want something? And there's all the jokes and is it time off? You couldn't want time off. You don't even have a life, which it's probably because he doesn't have time off. Let's not put the cart before the horse here. (laughs) Okay, Arthur. Oh my God, it's so heartbreaking. Colin's just playing it so sad. Merlin just says, Arthur, he tries to stop him from going on and on. And he gives Arthur his excuse. I need to go get vital supplies for Gaius. And then there's this look on Merlin's face. To me, the way I see it, it's the dread that Arthur might think less of him and think that he's abandoning him. Which he does. Which he does. And we get this line of, you know, Merlin, all those jokes about you being a coward, I never really meant them. I always thought you were the bravest man I ever met. Guess I was wrong. Obviously, I wrote down that whole thing also. Because it's fucking heartbreaking. It is. I mean, we get the pain on Merlin's face. We rarely, rarely get to hear what Arthur really thinks of him. Yeah. It's just sad. It's really sad. It's a really hard scene because... It's heartbreaking and it really makes me think of the dynamics between them. We often talk about Arthur being clueless. But then I try to think about it from, let's say you're Bradley and you're playing Arthur. And let's say you accept that you're clueless. You don't know. You don't know any of that stuff. Doesn't matter if the writers are wrong or right or it's crazy that you never notice. You just don't know. Think about their relationship. This is a servant and a king. A servant who I've pointed out in front of other people talks shit about the king makes fun of him, talks down to him constantly in front of everybody. 
Arthur allows that, even though he grew up in Uther's kingdom, which it would have never flown for three seconds. And then take the fact that to Arthur, he's just a normal person. He goes to him for advice constantly. I mean, he holds this nobody in really high regard. Yeah, but the thing is, is that you're just, you're a nobody. You're only somebody because other people told you so. You're not, you're only a king because you have other people around you being your subjects. Otherwise, you wouldn't be king. You would be alone. Sure, but if you were living in that society and you were King Arthur, would you let a servant just talk back to you in front of the entire court? Right, obviously not. Yeah, I'm just saying, think when I see these scenes like this where he really gets into what he thinks about him, think about Arthur's point of view as the king of Camelot. This kid is your servant and you value him so highly. Arthur is a lot better than we give him credit for sometimes is basically what I'm getting at because we think his BS with Merlin always seems worse to us because we know how much Merlin sacrifices for him. But from his point of view, he's a really terrible servant. <laughs> disappears whenever he wants to and he's got all the leeway in the world and Arthur still just thinks the world of him. Yes, and we can't forget that to look at from Arthur's perspective, he's still in the dark. He doesn't know that Merlin has magic. He doesn't know that Merlin saved his life hundreds of times. He just doesn't. Yeah. There's no way. He, he, you only act with the information that you have. It's impossible. This scene just makes me want to give him that credit of like, he doesn't know all of it and he still really respects him. Yeah, could have said it more. Sure. I mean, jerk. Arthur is still a mess, but I just think it's amazing how Arthur comes off awful all the time. But honestly, it's pretty remarkable for someone written in that time period because we can say, oh, you're only king because think about being that person in that time period. You're king because you're chosen by God. You think you're special. Everyone thinks you're special. Oh, yeah, you're sure that you're special. You don't think. I was like, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, this is right. what it is. So to take this servant who always backtalks, always disappears on you, does a terrible job, <laughs> and value him above everybody, risk your life for him. I guess the point for me is it's not just heartbreaking for Merlin. It's heartbreaking for Arthur. He was sure this was going to be the person who was always by his side. Yeah. And he has no idea why. He doesn't. He doesn't know why. And in Arthur's face, I kind of can see the disappointment of at the time that I need you the most, you're choosing to leave me. Like you're the friend that I need the most by my side and you're just not going to be there and you're giving me some fake excuse that I don't believe. And it's hard. It's hard because really what the scene is about is that Merlin still hasn't fucking told him he has magic. <laughs> Look, don't get me started. We're have we're gonna have to move on from this. Remember in the pilot when you made a guess that it was gonna be like season two or three? <laughs> I don't wanna talk about it. <laughs> I refuse. I'm gonna quit in the middle of this episode, Sonia. We have to move on. No, you're not. Okay, we move on to reveal. Ira's a terrible person. And she's oh, gonna meet up with <laughs> with Mordred and Morgana. To better things. I was mistaken. What better things? Did you see the episode? <laughs> it's not going to get better. <laughs> Ira comes in with some vague news. Mordred with the assist. Thanks for being so helpful, Mordred. I don't remember you being this helpful in Camelot. <laughs> I was really surprised. I was like, oh, Ira, he's a mole. She's a mole. Oh, yeah. You were surprised. I was just like, ah, yeah. Let's get this over with. <laughs> I was surprised. I was like, oh, my God. Another woman betraying everyone. God damn it. 
I'm not a fan of it. I just think there's so many guys on the side of Camelot that didn't make one of them be the mole. Mordred and Agravain were like the worst people in the whole show and Uther. So I'm sorry, like the worst people in the show are men. (laughs) Can't argue with that. Moving on. Anyway. Morgana is really freaked out here because because Ira is like, oh my gosh, she's not going to tell about Merlin. She's like, walks away. She's like, by the way, just some extra information for you. I thought she was going to ask for extra money. She didn't even ask for extra money. I was like, you're an idiot. I mean, at least Morgana didn't rip her throat out. So I guess that's a bonus. True. I guess it's better to just take the money and walk away. I would want to get away from Morgana as quickly as possible. Yeah, he's trying to get his powers back. She freaks out. Uh, Whatever. Speaking of Gwen, who got us here into this mess, Merle and Gwen are off in the forest and they get attacked by bandits and we have to see something really sad again. Merlin helplessly screaming for Gwen's help before he gets stabbed. Look, look. <laughs> First of all, the fact that Merlin didn't draw a sword to me at that time makes no sense. I was like, where is your fucking sword? You're completely right. I don't 100% agree with the writing of this is... He should have taken a sword and then gotten beaten and then screamed for Gwen. You can still make the point that he's yes. as helpless as yes. he is. He has fought with a sword before. He's not bad at it. Mm-hmm. So I would have just liked to see him not be like, oh my God, without my magic, I'm nothing. I'm like, no, you're still something. You know, you fought with a sword on in front of other people that couldn't know that you were magical. So... Yeah, didn't love it as a decision. Yeah, I wish there was just a little bit of a struggle in Merlin with a sword and maybe he lost, he loses his sword Mm -hmm. and then screams for help because then I would understand. Well, I'm with you and I'm not 100% a fan of how it was done. I still think it's effective and it makes me upset because I'm like, no. It is. It is effective. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to die. Obviously not, but. Obviously not because they get to the cave. You said I don't have complaints really about this episode. I have a huge complaint here. He should have told Gwen that he has magic. I'm just, why are we holding this back from Gwen? I don't, I, this whole question about telling people about the magic, I just put it in a bag and I tied it really tightly and I was like, pew, I threw it away because. I thought you were going to do the vape thing where she's like, you put it in a little box and you put it all the way in the back of your head. Yes. Yes. For those of you who haven't seen Veep, you're missing Julia Louis-Dreyfus's genius. You're missing one of the best shows ever. Honestly. Why not tell Gwen? From a writing standpoint, I don't even know why we're doing this anymore. It's the last two episodes of Merlin. What is it going to change? To me, is that nobody that's close to, except for Gaius, obviously, nobody that's close to Arthur can know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for this. I'm with you. I'm trying to make excuses for the writing here. Just no to this. Moving on in the cave, Morgana's here to ruin everything. She is. That is also a t-shirt. That's definitely a t-shirt that could be worn at all times. She's like, I'm going to make you feel worthless while sneaking behind you like a ghost. Yep. It's pretty great. I'm just mad at her because I hate her. (laughs) It's pretty great. She's, She's just teasing and kind of like, Having a little bit of fun. Yeah, she says, a worthless servant with all that power. To which I think, oh my God, die. And Merlin is like, well, you're still hiding, so I think you're still afraid of me. Yeah, he gets very amorous. He says, face me. And she says, I fear no one. 
least of all you. Okay, well, and he cuts her with a sword. So I love, I mean, he plays it. He's scared about what he just did and he's shaking a bit. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> see how he can use a sword? Do you see it? I always right see, I know. I was annoyed too. You don't have to tell me. So yeah, uh, she traps him in the crystal cave, just like the book. And that other book and that other book. Point is reference. There's reference material for this. Tell you something. I think this is a really dumb plan. Morgana side. Mordred tells her this is the birthplace of magic. You're going to trap the wizard that you feared the most inside the place where magic was born. What a dumb plan. It's so dumb. The one place where things could happen and turn around is where magic was born and you just trapped him inside it. It's so stupid. I don't think she's calculating which side of this wall the crystals are on. Does that matter? It's the birthplace of magic. It permeates everything. It doesn't really matter. If Morgana was really clever and good with her plans, she'd already have this in the bag. Real quick, before we continue our journey through the cave, we take a check-in moment with Bad News Leon, who's here to give some really bad news. Oh, we were wrong. We're outnumbered five to one. Do you know why you're wrong, Leon? Because so many of you have died in these past five seasons that you thought that you had more people, but you didn't. You miscounted the amount of knights and guards that have died. Yeah, I, I can't even believe there's anyone left in Camelot. Thanks, Leon. Back in the cave, there's a lot of great acting happening of just being desperate and miserable in this cave. So great. So great. I feel it in my bones. I know. Yeah, yeah, I feel hurt and trapped. Just trying so hard. Not seeing any way out. It's, oh, it is heartbreaking. Which is funny because I'm like, there's a light. Go to the light. You're in a cave. Do you see that you're in a cave and it's still light inside? So it's a source of light. You should go try to walk towards it. I'm not even nitpicking. Like, I feel his desperation. It's just so, you're so convinced that's your only way out. And uh, it's kind of the only way out is through. You got to go further into the cave, Merlin. But for now, he gives up. Back at the camp, we get this moment with Gwen and Gaius and Arthur, which we never get enough of these three together. It's a fun little dynamic. Arthur's pretty snarky with his, oh, so you sent Merlin away, which I don't believe at all. And he walks off. And uh, I love, I love Angel's read of just that simple, I don't think he believes you. Um, yeah, we forgot to mention it. I think it was really nice of Gwen to be like, hey, I'm not going into battle with you, but since it's going to be a few days until you get to battle, I'm going to just ride with you and travel with you to spend this last days. If you die, at least I was with you. Yeah, I skipped over it because I was like, yeah, of course she's going. Come on now. It's nice. Gotta love Gwen, though. Yeah. Gwen said, eh, he doesn't believe you. I don't either. So, you know, she says, I know how devoted he is to Arthur, talking about Merlin, obviously. He would not leave him in a time like this for for mere errand. Now, this is a great conversation because this is where Gaius gets very... Look, I can't tell you why he's gone. I can just tell you it's really important. And he had to. 
Which is kind of obvious because that's what she's saying. So that, shouldn't they all just trust that Merlin is somewhere he needs to be? Definitely. I actually thought that Guys was going to tell Gwen. Because you're just waiting. For, you thought Gwen was going to find out this episode. Yeah, I did. I was like, this is it. This is it. It wasn't. It wasn't it. I was wrong. I promised you Gwen would find out before the end. The wait never ends. I've been waiting for so long. I mean, it's going to end. <laughs> One way or the other, it's going to end. I love the way Angel delivers this line. It feels like it's just full of, it just feels so full of heart. And I feel all of her warmth and understanding through the way she just says to Gaius when he says, he had to go and I can't tell you why, but you have to trust us. And just, she throws it away a little bit, but it's, then there's nothing more to be said, except whatever it is, I wish him luck. I get like really teary and just like, oh, I love you, Gwen. Because she so means it. She means it. And just the love that you have to have for a person, at least for me, to wanting to know something because I always want to know. Gotta know. And the person being like, I can't tell you. And you're like, I fully trust you is incredible. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but once you and I were talking about something and your husband was like, but why do you need to know? And we were both just confused by that assessment of just because it wasn't important, but we needed to know yes. just for my own sanity to have the information in my brain. That's why I need to know. That is correct. And the fact that she, I mean, I feel like this comes with, in this case, at least obviously in this situation comes with a hundred percent trust. She knows that if she could know about it, guys would tell her. She knows that Merlin is probably doing something very important. She trusts both of them. Yeah. I just really angel killed it. She really did. It's just the way she, it's, I feel so much love in that response. It's so simple of, well, there's nothing else to say then. Just knowing that, just saying it in a way that she knows, that Gwen knows that Pressure and guilt tripping and fighting at this moment is not productive and doesn't bring good energy, doesn't further any of your life and your last moments with your husband just being annoyed or upset or trying to fi find out something that it's never that information you're never going to have. And you just that's the truly of letting it go. Okay, uh, I'm letting it go and I'm concentrating on something else. Yeah. Oh, Gwen. See? Listen, you're going to love her even more next episode. Since episode one, I knew it. Even more. You're going to get a very special Gwen moment next episode, I promise you. So now we go back to the cave for the completion of this whole misery train for Merlin. This poor, poor guy is still down there. And then you hear, Merlin, who did you think it was? I had no idea. Can you believe it's Balinor? I can't. I actually can't. I have Balinor in all caps and three exclamation points. <laughs> what a treat. What a treat for us. Yeah, I'm so happy to have John Lynch back. It's great. It is great. It is great. I'm so happy. Ghosty blue John Lynch as Balinor. He gets so many amazing lines in this. Holy shit. You come back to make a very special small, uh, small, small big appearance. And you have the best speech of the whole thing. He gets all the fantasy lines. He starts with, do not let go. And such a simple thing, do not let go, but it's great. 
The writing in this episode's got to be said is fantastic. Seriously, do not give in. Poor Merlin says, I have no reason to go on. Untrue. Bunch of people who love you who are talking about you right now somewhere, wondering where the heck you're at. And then he explains, these are the mythic lines you want in this episode, right? You get, you're not just a son of a man, you're the son of the earth, the sea, the sky. Magic is the fabric of this world, and you were born of that magic. You are magic itself. You cannot lose what you are. I love it. I cried. (laughs) It makes me cry too. It really gets me when he says... It's so good. Because it's a big explanation because it's not, magic's not an exception. It's kind of the way Merlin talked about magic in the Desir. And can't you feel it in everything? When he says magic is the fabric of the earth and you are magic itself, you cannot lose what you are. That line is the best. The best. I can't. I can't. I'm like teary right now. Yeah. I think this is where he says how do I find myself again? I, I don't have it here because I was too focused on that little speech over there and I forgot to write it. It's hard not to focus on it, but it is, you know. I think that you're right. It's interesting that we go through this whole huge magical journey. And again, it's always about coming back to yourself. It's really about who are you. Yeah. So he goes and takes a nap. <laughs> he has to rest. He's very tired. And very injured. He's cut all over. Like, look. I've been through a lot. I need to just rest before. Well, but Balinor says rest. And when you wake up, things will be better. That's basically what he says. Just go to sleep. Things will work out when you wake up. Meanwhile, the boys are checking out the battlefield. Bad news, Leon remarks about how it's a death trap. Yes, we know. Thank you. (laughs) Good. Thanks. And Arthur kind of says, yeah, for us and for them. So he looks at Leon and says, it ends here. He's had it. He's either going to die here or end Morgana. It's one or the other. Poor Leon. <laughs> Honestly, they're all, they're all kind of freaked out slightly. They're like, oh, I hope you're wrong. I'm like, Arthur, are you sure about this? Well, back at the camp in his tent, Arthur is having second thoughts. And he says to Gwen, what if Leon was right? To which I am in my living room screaming, um, yeah. You think? He's 100% right. Those walls were really important to have around you. You need the high walls with the arrows because you're outnumbered five to one. <laughs> Too late now. Instead, Gwen is better than us and she does her usual supportive wife speech, pep talk, and her hair is on point when that braid, and I love it. Look, whoever has long curly hair, you understand when you're about to go to sleep, which they are, it needs to be tied up in some form. This is um, this is definitely for real. This is real life right here. Yeah. You're ready for bed. But she does. She says, you know, you're right. I've never doubted you. I'm not so sure, Gwen. She says, I never for a moment doubted the valor and wisdom of this choice. She says, I understand your choice for leaving the castle. Yeah, there's valor involved. He's trying to defend people. But if you get your whole army killed, she's still going to take over. Just saying. There's that too. There's that math. <laughs> just just want to point that out. If you lose here, everybody dies. Don't know if we did that math when we were saying, hey, let's stay here and let some people die. I don't think so. Anyway, that's fine. Over in Mordred and Morgana's camp, they're getting ready to attack. And 
Mordred's all, I'll take care of it, and I'm super excited, I won't fail you, and ugh, go away. And they have a secret plan to outflank the guys who just made this whole journey here so they couldn't get outflanked. I was just gonna say that. And did they have like a secret path plan thing? Yeah, which just sucks because the reason Arthur came out here was to not get outflanked. Correct. This plan is not working already. <laughs> Gwen's giving pep talks and I'm not sure she's right. <laughs> Gwen, I know you were smart, but this time you might be wrong. At least in the cave, it's wakey-wakey time for Merlin. And shit gets really serious. He wakes up healed and tries magic. And of course, what does this pure-hearted fellow who's just goo inside and just sweet to the core do with his first spell? It's a butterfly. It is a butterfly. I mean, come on. It's so cute. He lost his magic and the first thing he does is like, oh, a butterfly. Uh, butterflies are magical. They are. And I'm just, my reaction to that was just, oh, bless. And he's no longer afraid of the crystals. That, to me, I was like, yes, this is amazing. It feels like a lot. We've seen him very scared of prophecy for a long time for good reasons. I said, I have it in my notes. Merlin looks into the crystal to see what's happening. This time, it's different. It is different. It is. It's done with purpose. Show me this. I want to see this. It's like he's on a VHS and he's fast forwarding and he's like, no, not that scene. He has control mm -hmm. of the crystal and what of his power to see what's going to happen. And then he does something super surprising, which I know you didn't see coming. He talks to Arthur in his sleep. I love it. Love it. I think it's genius and it's so good. It's so good. Such a good decision. I mean, I don't see I don't see that any other decision that could be better than this. I love I love it. Yeah, if you take, we're stuck in the situation that they've created for us, the writers, right? They, Arthur doesn't know. And yet they write this lovely scene and Arthur wakes up and he knows. He wakes up and Gwen asks what's wrong and he says, Merlin. She goes, it's a dream. He's like, no, uh, uh doesn't feel like dream. Pretty sure it's not. Nope. I mean, I love how he doesn't suspect what's going on with Merlin. <laughs> he does. I, I love that. I love that for the entire show, Guys was like, well, there's a, there's a legend that says that if you do this, there's a curse in your kingdom. He's like, oh, that's just ridiculous. Now he's like, I had a dream. Let me act right away. Merlin came to me in my dreams and I always believe Merlin. <laughs> just no doubt, no doubt in his being. He's like, nope, this was not a dream. He talked to me for reals. I love it so much. I do too. So with Merlin's message, Arthur sends troops to stop the flanking. We're getting ready for battle. There's torches everywhere. Arthur gives a speech and Merlin gets to watch it in the cave on his crystal TV. I know. On his crystal TV. Yes, Arthur's speech. He's like, we win the war as old as the land itself. I was like, oh, you're very poetic, Arthur. I like it. Yeah, the war against tyranny. He's not wrong. Morgana's horrendous she is a pretty terrible person i mean look i'm i know there are people out there who are morgana fans and feels like feel like the writers didn't do her right i am not doing that in this episode we'll talk about that in the wrap-up maybe but i gotta talk about the character that's being put in front of my face what's being put in front of my face is a terrible human being it's very true so just before we go back to the cave we get to get a glimpse of sir leon looking real worried excalibur aren't you glad it came this one time 
this one time because if he didn't come, I was going to quit for real for the 17th <laughs> time now. <laughs> so we get Excalibur and we get For the Love of Camelot. And then we go to the cave. And Balinor is saying his goodbye. That's where we get another very good speech. Oh my God, it's even better. I don't know which one is better. It's just great. Two very good speeches. Uh, your journey has just begun. You yield a power you cannot yet conceive of. Trust in what you are. Trust in what you are. Trust in what will be. And tell them to go to the light and become his true self. Only at the heart of the crystal cave will your true self be revealed. What were you expecting for him to come out as? To me, there was no other way, shape, or form that he could come out of that light. I love that I love that Balinor says that line before that Merlin says goodbye. And then he says there are no there are no goodbyes. We'll always we'll always Us be and here and you're endless and I'm endless and we'll always Yeah, they're tied to magic. They're not they're endless beings. It's great. Well, the battle begins. The Saxons front line is a bunch of drums. I feel like that's a failure because you don't want to be in the front line of a battle with a drum. Kinda dumb. Arthur screams the obvious on me. And then Bradley James just whatever is ridiculous and has his action hero sequence because we've seen him do a lot of amazing stunts and fights. Just wow to this one. This is so good. It's so good. It just literally reminds me of a video game. And it's just it's amazing. It's amazing. And Bradley is so good at it. He's so good at being a hero with a sword. He's so good at it. And it's, I feel like slow motion is very unforgiving. Yeah, it is. Because it can make you look like you don't mean it if you don't follow through on a move. You're a ballerina, you know. You extend yourself past your hand. Not just your hand. You must reach past yourself. And it's hard. You have to have, you have to be really trained on, in stunts and how to deal with a sword to be able to not actually hit the person and hurt them, but look like you're actually doing that. And that is so hard. It's so hard to pretend you're doing something. And we don't think about it because we rarely pretend we're doing something. Like pretend you're eating. And it's so over-exaggerated. <laughs> you just made me think of John Mulaney where he says he's like an alien in a play about humans that's not very well researched mmm dinner <laughs> and he does it so good like obviously the people that do the stunts with him are great because you have to get when you do a stunt with a, another person when you're hitting another person that person also has to be very well trained to for you to believe that she was actually hit and like do exaggerated movements. But the whole thing was great. I love the lighting of this whole slow motion. I rewound it. I love it so much. I did too. I did too. It's such a good action sequence. It just works on every level. I love whoever designed and choreographed it. Even when you think it's over, that one person comes from behind him flying through the air. Yes. I also like, I like this forward moving sequence of events instead of just being all around you and kind of being a mess it's just a tunnel and you're just plowing through people in front of you it's so great i love it so much well done well done bradley oh my god this is incredible 
a good Bradley episode. He delivered the emotional goods in the incredible in the goodbye scene with Merlin. He was funny in that too before it went south. He was funny in the beginning and now he did this. So he had the full range of funny, sad, and action hero in one episode. It's just such a good scene. Then Mordred is here. Do you get the oh no feeling when Mordred arrives? Also fighting and plowing through. Yeah, I feel like he's looking for someone. Yeah. Who? (laughs) Who do we think this is? Who's this? We're going to know next episode. Right, because all that happens now is Merlin explodes out of the cave. Literally. Literally. In full old wizard Emrys, robes included, and a staff. There you go. That that sealed the deal for me. I was like, you can be this forever now. It's fine. What a great staff. It's beautiful. If you give me a wizard without a staff, I'm always sad. I don't like it. That's a good stance to have. It's a really great staff. It's like twisting and white and pretty and just... And then he's off. And then you didn't watch the preview. <laughs> I did not watch the preview. So next week on Merlin, we wrap this up. I wish you would watch the preview, but I understand that you won't until after. You should watch, go back retroactively and watch it after you see the next episode. I will. Just because it was, it's just four close-ups. A close-up for Merlin, a close-up for Gwen, Arthur, and Morgana. It's just one shot each and then one line from the next episode. And it is an epic line. It's fine that you won't hear it, but when you go back and watch it, what's epic about it is that it's probably one of the most epic lines of the show, but it's played over just a blank screen. So it's just black and all you hear are the words and they're said very softly. And it just feels like this 10 ton weight just landed on you. (laughs) So I'll leave you with that for next episode. Yeah. Anything else? What do you predict now that (laughs) there's only one episode left? I do predict at this moment that Merlin will just stay old like that forever. Really? Yeah. I don't see him turning back to regular Merlin. Can I give you a spoiler about the the preview? The shot of Merlin was definitely him old still. I don't think that he's turning back. I really, I really don't. Anything else? How does it look for Gaius right now? Oh, God. He is at the battle. He is. He is in if... If something happens and there's a chance that he has to step in and save someone, I know that he will. Like Gwen or Arthur or Merlin? (laughs) Merlin, mainly. Well, it's safe to say that Merlin doesn't need saving right now. Yes. I hope that he doesn't die. I mean... Where do you think Merlin's off to? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he'll just go back home and wait for everyone to come back from the battle. What do you think he's going to do? I don't know. Because the vision, when he sees Morgana in the vision... There's a lot of bodies on the floor already. From what I remember, I didn't go back and see the vision again. So I'm just trying to... There were a lot of dead bodies. I'm just trying to think back. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if Kilgar is not involved in this, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> There's 42 minutes left. They're in the middle of a war. <laughs> if you don't call your dragon, I don't know what you're doing. Let's do really quick lightning round. Just answer gut. Is Gwen going to live or die? Lit. Is Arthur going to live or die? Do you know what? I At this moment, I think that Arthur is actually on the chopping block, but I think he's going to live, obviously. Well, I mean, he has to be on the chopping block. That's the whole thing. <laughs> Mordred, live or die? For one to be alive, the other has to be dead. I think he dies. Okay, Harry Potter. <laughs> you just gave me the Harry Potter prophecy. <laughs> yes. Okay, Gaius, live or die? I think 
I want him to live, but I think he dies. <laughs> Percy, live or die? Lives. Gwen, live or die? Now that I know, now that I I was proven wrong in the little story that I created in my head, I think he lives. I think that all the knights close by live. Okay. Who am I missing? Kilgara, live or die? Kilgara's going to die. Ethusa, live or die? Hopefully lives with another owner. <laughs> We're not an owner. Can can Ethusa be free? Can she leave Ethusa alone? Poor girl. My God. Mind your own. Mind your own. What about this chick, Era? Is she going to live or die? <laughs> era. Era. Is she in the next episode? I hope she dies. She's in the next episode. Holy shit. What are you doing? Nothing happened to her. She went back to Camelot. She's sleeping with Gwen. Of course, she's in the next episode. <laughs> Whatever, I thought she was in a one-off thing. Just like She gets more screen time, so if you're worried about the 42 minutes you got left on this show. <laughs> awesome. Dead. I think she dies. I think she dies. Morgana, live or die? Same thing, no? It has to die. Has to die. So I think that's it. You think Arthur's going to find out about Merlin's magic next episode? <laughs> At this point... I'm thinking that the writers are actually going to pretend that Merlin actually just abandoned Arthur and be like, you now have this old guy. It's called Emrys. And you don't know him. You're just meeting him right now and you can just live with him. My face hurts. <laughs> if that happens, I'm going to be really upset. If Arthur doesn't find out? I'm going to be really upset. I'm going to be really upset because that is actually a possibility in my head. I'm like, he's actually not going to fucking find out ever. And Emrys is just going to be Emrys separate from Merlin. And we're going to all be fucked and have watched this for nothing. And then I can quit. <laughs> and then you can quit. No, you will have one more after that. But then you can quit. It's good because in the last one, you really are going to get to vent about story arcs. <laughs> Look, I think you're going to need it. I know that this is a possibility. Because I don't think that he's turning back. And I'm already really upset because of this possibility being a reality. I promised you last time we talked. I don't know if it was on air or off. I think it was off. There's no way you know how this ends. And I mean the ending of the show. The last 30 seconds, you do not know. <laughs> There's no way for you to see it coming because it's unpredictable. And we'll see how you feel about it next time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You got 43 minutes left of Merlin. You know, here we go. I don't even know. I'm like, I I almost want to do what, what those people do. I'm like, I'm not going to watch the last episode. <laughs> Just leave it like this. I don't know how he ends. Doesn't matter. Just like pretend, pretend this is the end. Just doesn't matter. I don't know what you would have done if episode one of the show I said to you as you were predicting stuff and seeing you really wanted to see Merlin the court sorcerer and I didn't want to break your heart and say that's not gonna happen <laughs> like not gonna happen for a season you know what I mean like you thought you were gonna get seasons of that and you would thought Arthur will find out about his magic in a couple seasons and I was just sitting there going oh man it's gonna be real interesting to get to that last episode going in where none of this has happened yet <laughs> so we'll all find out Merlin has magic in the next 43 minutes of Merlin yeah, I'm already annoyed. I don't know why, but I'm like, I'm just bracing myself for the worst. Then you won't be disappointed and it'll be better than you think. <laughs> you know what they say? Hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. Prepare for the worst. Yes. Look, it's a good episode. It's a really good episode. It has so much in there that I love. So I don't want to get you down because really one of my favorite episodes of Merlin. I will expand on that next week. Thanks for listening. See you guys.